The information provided in this podcast episode is for education and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional and should not be considered or used as clinical or professional consultation. With that said, here is a taste of what you will get in today's episode. We stand her up in the mirror as soon as she wakes up and she looks at herself and we tell her how beautiful she is. We specifically name your skin is beautiful. The smoothness and suppleness of your skin is radiant. Your curly hair is gorgeous. Your big, beautiful, brown, bright eyes shine so bright. You are so, you're such an amazing, beautiful black baby. Now keep listening to today's episode because there are some cultural jewels that I am dropping on y'all. And of course, thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the episode. Dr. James W.C. Pennington, born approximately 1809 and died in 1870. Dr. James Pennington, a fugitive slave, was a teacher, clergyman, author, and one of the earliest nonviolent civil rights activists. Although he was denied the privilege of a formal education until age 21, within five years after his flight from the yoke of bondage, he taught himself to read and write English, German, Latin, and Greek. Later, he authored the first Negro history text in America. He also became the first man of African descent to receive a Doctor of Divinity degree. Most historical accounts of Dr. Pennington's life are based on his autobiography, The Fugitive Blacksmith, in which he recorded his cruel experiences of slavery and describes his escape to the North. The book was published in London in 1849 and went through three editions. Pennington was born in Maryland in 1809. At the age of four, he, his mother, and his older brother were given to his master's son and taken to Washington County. Pennington was hired out as a stone mason and a blacksmith. In 1830, when he could no longer endure slave brutality, he ran away to Pennsylvania. There he was aided by Quakers who sent him to Long Island, New York. Pendleton diligently pursued an education and within five years began teaching in black schools. Later feeling he had received a calling from God, Pennington went to New Haven, Connecticut and entered a theology seminary. He was ordained and became a proficient preacher of the Presbyterian faith. In Hartford, Connecticut, 1840 to 1847, where he won distinction, he was made president of the Union Missionary Society, a forerunner of the American Missionary Association, which urged its members not to buy slave-produced goods. Pendleton was elected twice as president of the all-white Hartford Central Association of Congressional Ministers. 
during his presidency, it was one of his duties to give examinations and the knowledge of church history and theology to those wishing to become ministers and to sign their certificates accordingly. It must have been a novel scene to see a runaway slave granting the sons of his oppressors leave to go forth and preach the word of God Almighty. He was elected five times to the membership of the General Convention for the Improvement of the Free Colored People. In 1843, the state of Connecticut elected Pendleton as a delegate to attend the World's Anti-Slavery Convention, and he was also elected a delegate by the American Peace Convention to represent them in the World's Peace Society, both held in London. In all, he made three trips to London. His pulpit brilliant won notoriety and many complimentary press notices. While abroad, he preached and made speeches in the presence of some of the most refined and aerocratic audiences in Europe, including London, Paris, and Brussels. Some historians indicate that his third trip abroad was in 1850 when the Fugitive Slave Act was passed. Fearing recapture as a runaway slave, a fact he had not mentioned to his wife, he left the States until a fee of $150 was made to his former master and he was officially freed June 5th, 1851. Further historians say that during this period, he was awarded the Doctor of Divinity degree by the University of Heldenburg, Germany, the first black man to receive such an honor. Pennington organized the New York Legal Rights Association and led his church in some of America's earliest peaceful demonstrations. Through the NYLRA, he instituted a lawsuit against the Sixth Avenue Railroad Company for the right of Blacks to use public conveyances. Although the suit was unsuccessful, the association's action did eventually achieve a degree of equality within the city's transportation system. Before his death in Florida in 1870, Dr. Pennington expended great energies in denouncing every affront to first-class citizenship. What's up, y'all? I'm coming on real quick to ask you to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, please make sure to leave a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Because when you leave a review, it helps other people find my podcast, which ultimately is helping more people be culturally aware. So after this episode, take a few seconds to leave a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the episode. Thank you. 
Hello, welcome to another episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by simply talking with you about the daily experiences I have as a black woman. Now, you know what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it till the wheels fall off. I believe that by you all hearing my experiences, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, and that should help you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness. And if you happen to be a Black listener, I truly, truly believe that by listening to the experiences of my cultural walk, that you will leave my episodes feeling validated, liberated, and empowered because you are hearing and witnessing me, your Black sister, boldly step into my full-fledged Blackness and just how beautiful that walk is. So with all of that said, let's get into today's episode, which is entitled Black Motherhood Part One. So y'all know I do my welcome to our world section. But before I get into that, let me just address what might be an elephant in some of y'all's room, depending on how in tune you are. I know I probably sound like I'm kind of whispering because I actually am kind of whispering. Y'all know I got a whole year and a half old baby and she's asleep right now. And I, (laughs) I'm trying not to wake her up and it don't matter where I go in the house, where I be, this child got little bionic ears and she will hear me. Rather her lullaby music is blazing and all the doors is closed. This child still hear me. So I just had to put that out there and you know I think it's fitting we talking about black motherhood look the struggle is real okay and so if I don't sound as super enthusiastic as always and if it sound like I'm whispering that's because I'm trying not to wake the baby okay but anyway let's get into the welcome to our world section y'all know how I do in this section you should know by now if you've listened to a couple of episodes So the first thing I want to address is the fact that Breonna Taylor did not get no justice, but her walls did. Okay. And it's just no words, no more. I just, I don't have no words. I'm not going to pretend like I got some words. I ain't going to try to make up no words. All I could say is that this is just ridiculous and the blatant racism and discrimination and disregard for the black life is just too much. And I think the cold-blooded part about this is, again, this ain't new to us as black people. This, this might be new to y'all listening who ain't black, okay? And this might be a real awakening for those of y'all who thought that you was woke. But for us as black people, it's not new. But I think what's happening, at least what's happening for me, is the fact that like there's no distractions. And even though I ain't really distracted because I do this work, there's still some type of distraction that you can do to kind of like release yourself from this. You can get up, you can go somewhere, you can do some window shopping. You know, you can go kick it with a friend, but child, the, the distractions that we have are traumatic. I mean, our distractions is COVID and the politics. So 
it's just awful. It's awful on every level. And I think that's what makes it hit so hard um, with, with what we experience and as black people. And I just, I mean, I just feel so bad for Breonna Taylor's family. I just, I just feel like, I don't know. It's just, it's just trifling. And I, I'm not gonna try to put no words to it. So I just wanted to name that. Um, and also like on the fly right now, as I'm talking, let's just have a whole nother moment of rest in peace for Breonna Taylor. Let's just do that for her and just give her that respect. So rest in peace, Breonna Taylor. We will continue saying your name and your name will never be forgotten. All right. Um, I don't know if y'all watched that debate, the presidential debate, but I got this in here for the welcome to our world. I'm very aware that we got two old white men up here debating about how they go run the country. Okay. But for me, I have this in this section because for, for for the, for the racial implications, which I will get into in a minute, but this is the moment I just, I want to warn you if you got your kids listening, that you just cover their ears for a couple of seconds. Okay. You know, give you a couple of more seconds and I'm how you cover their ears. So I don't know if y'all watched this debate, but after this debate was over, a CNN reporter said verbatim that the debate was a shit show. And I just cannot agree with her more. That was the triflingest thing I have seen in a long time. Y'all can uncover the kids' ears. I'm not going to drop no more bombs, but... I agree with her. And this was a white woman that was very much like, what is going on? And for me, I have that, have this in the section because I really, again, like I said a few seconds ago, I want to pay attention to the race, racial implications. We have a supposed president, because y'all know I'm not going to ever claim him, that continues to use language like law and order Um, And even during this debate, he still won't blatantly be like to the white supremacists, y'all need to calm down and chill out. He still will not say that. And in the next breath, he's talking about that he done done more for the black community than other presidents. I mean, y'all. As black folks, we really got to pay attention to what's going on. We got to pay attention to the language that's taking place. Even in this debate, he was trying to use these little sorry intimidation tactics about, you know, the fact that he go ask his supporters to be watchful at polling sites, which just is code for starting stuff and messing with people of color, particularly probably black folks. And he's saying that mail-in ballots are a fraud, even though he does mail-in ballots. This is just classic voter suppression. It's classic intimidation tactics that he's using. And y'all need to pay attention. And we need to vote. Like we, like for real, our life depends on it. And we cannot, if no other election We cannot, as black folks, okay, not vote in this election and then the rest of them to follow. Our ancestors went through way too much. We need to show up and show out. 
Okay. That's, I, I just, I just, I feel like I'm living in the civil rights times. And what's so sad about that statement is I wasn't even born during that time. So the question is, why do I feel like that? And the answer is because we are living in civil rights times. That's why I feel like that. Okay. Anyway, let's get into something very inspiring in this Welcome to Our World segment. And then we're going to get into this interview, which is fire. Okay. It's fire. It is so good. But let me just do this one, one more little thing. Um, in the Welcome to Our World section. And something that is so inspiring is Mr. Caleb Anderson, who is a 12-year-old black boy who is starting his sophomore year in college. He 12, y'all. 12. Starting his sophomore year in college. If y'all don't believe me, look it up for yourself. And by they were saying on the little news segment that I saw that by two, he could read the U.S. Constitution. Okay, like two, y'all. I'm repeating stuff on purpose because I just I think I need y'all to get it. This is a black boy that at the age of two. Okay, he was reading the United States Constitution. I saw it myself. And two is a tiny, tiny person like Faith is 18 months. So let's just think about a little itty bitty person, a little tiny bit older than her, a little bit older than her and like reading the United States Constitution. And he is now a sophomore in college at 12, a black boy. Okay. So for all y'all out there listening, and especially if it's any black men listening or black boys or young black children, let me tell you, don't let society sit up here and try to make you feel like you ain't about nothing and that you can't accomplish nothing. This child need to be an inspiration to us all, whether we 2, 12, 22, 72, this child needs to be an inspiration. And so y'all need to look them up and I'm going to continue this train of paying attention. Look him up. And when you look him up, don't just type in Caleb Anderson because some white man shows up, which I just think is ironic because this is a trending story, which just shows that folks don't want us to educate ourselves on our greatness. So make sure you type in 12 year old afterwards. So type in Caleb Anderson, 12 year old and all the information will show up. I, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So we need to give this little boy a round of applause. I sure would be clapping right now if I was not recording. So again, that is just, that's welcome to our world. And that's a good way to end on this segment because we are dope and we be doing it and we are highly intelligent people. And like I said in my newsletter, we built this joint. Okay. If you ain't read that, then you need to go check it out. Anyway, I'm done ranting. Let's get into the episode for today. So this is the kickoff episode of my three-part series on Black motherhood. I already explained to y'all why I'm doing this series. So go back and listen to last week's episode, um, episode number 48, for the reason as to why I'm doing this episode. I don't need a reason technically because I'm black, but you know, if you want to hear how I came up with this, go listen to that. But for this episode... 
I am so excited. I'm so excited that this is part one. It's a three-part series. I'm just as excited about my mom's as I was about my father's. And I am super excited to have my cousin kick off this show. And no, it's not the cousin y'all think it is. For the record, I got several family members that be doing the damn thing. And y'all know I only have quality guests on my show. And family don't be getting no pass. And my cousin, Lauren Walton, is a perfect example of this quality and the greatness that she is doing, not only in her life as a black woman, but as a black mother. Y'all are in for a treat, okay? Y'all in for a treat. She's a mother of one. And I'm just, I just can't wait for y'all to hear all the the jewels that she is dropping in this episode. So I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just stop talking. And with that said, are y'all ready for this interview? Because I'm ready for it. Y'all ready? All right. Let's get into it in five, four, three, two, one. What's up, y'all? So I have Lauren here with me today, and she is my cousin. And I, like I always tell y'all, I don't be having nobody on the show that don't be coming with, you know, good information. So I have her here with me today. Lauren, are you here? Hi, I am here, blessed by the best. Yes. So I am so excited for you to come on here today and talk about motherhood and particularly black motherhood so i'm gonna just get on into the questioning um and all that good stuff if you ready to go yeah let's dive right in all right so before we just get into like the full-fledged mommyhood why don't you just let the people know like what your occupation is and what you do okay yeah um so as you said my name is lauren i am Uh, My official title is a director of academic affairs, and I work for an educational nonprofit um, out of Oakland, California. And essentially, I serve students, um, academic counseling, just making sure that they are uh, prepared for college um, Mm -hmm. and that they are getting to and through college. So not just getting to college, but actually graduating from an institution. Yes. Okay. I always like to start mm-hmm. off with that question just because, you know, people need to know that not only are we black mothers, but we got a whole career too. So yeah. I think I think that's important for people to know. So, you know, I know the answer to this question, but just tell our listeners how old is your baby? She is officially 10 months old. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So let's jump into the first question. Um, why don't you share your journey to motherhood and how you got to where you are now? Yeah. Um, so my my journey to motherhood was, I guess, a, a little bit unconventional. Um, mm-hmm. So my husband and I were trying to have a, a baby for three years, our first three years of marriage. Um, and we were told that at one point that we had 0% chance of conceiving. So mm-hmm. after a lot of tears and prayer and just self-reflection and just a whole lot of journey, um, journaling, we went ahead and decided to like combat that and just try this approach called IUI. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and IUI is intrauterine insemination. And essentially okay. what they do is that they inject sperm into the uterus and that's supposed to actually decrease the sperm's travel time. So it's just like a little picking up of like, getting mm-hmm. right, through the, um, right through the full of <laughs> for conception. Right, right. Um, so we had two trials of that. And on the second, um, on the second trial, we conceived uh, Miss Hallie. Oh, yay. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I always like people to just share whatever they're comfortable with but I'm so grateful when especially us as black women can share the journey because it's not always this like oh girl I decided to get pregnant and had a baby like that don't be the story and I just Mm -hmm. think you know we just need to at least name that so somebody that's listening I'm sure can be blessed by that experience of just naming like it ain't it ain't always roses and butterflies so but you got your blessing of joy I did. I absolutely yes. did. It was very exciting. I definitely, we prayed a whole lot about it. And yeah. in addition to that, my husband knew that we were having our girl before we even knew that we were having our girl. Like he, mm-hmm. he dreamed about her a couple di- a couple different times, saw her face and he was like, we are having a girl. Oh, yes. And she is a gorgeous little girl, too. I just love it. She is amazing. Yes. So since we're on, I mean, this is going to just all naturally flow. So how has Mm -hmm. the adjustment to motherhood been for you since she's your only baby? um, So how has that been? Um, Okay. (laughs) It has been the most rewarding tiring and introspective journey I've ever been a part of yes (laughs) yes the first as soon as um as soon as she got here right yes first of all we were in the hospital for like well over the time that we should have been she was born Mm. in the midst of pg&e outages uh fires and and evacuations um and then all of a sudden, from that point uh, in Vacaville, she was born. And then she had to be transferred to another local hospital um, uh, because of some complications. And so she was just born to be resilient. Yes. Um, and as soon as we came home with her, we were both like, okay, so now what? We spent five or six days in the hospital. Nurses took care of basically everything. Yeah. What are we supposed to do with her? And the shock of what the heck did we just do (laughs) came over me and then when I say that the emotional journey was like some trials and tribulations I was I was already just naturally hard on myself as Mm -hmm. just a human being before pregnancy and before being a mom yeah but I think um the realization of being a mom hit me and then it was just like I can I do this Am I equipped mm-hmm. to doing this? Do I have the support to do this? Um, why am I doing this? And I right. think all of those questions and just doubts started to weigh in. Um, and it was just an emotional journey. But it, but thanks to you being a, a sound support, my husband being an amazing um, support system as well, um, I was able to kind of see the blessing for what exactly it is a blessing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and take each day at a time and not think about two three four weeks months or years ahead right 
right that you better drop the knowledge Lauren mm. that is that is so true to not be thinking two three four months ahead of time years ahead of time just to stay in the moment because yes yes yeah. yes I'm Aww. still learning girl ain't we all you it know is a process it's yes Jesus it's a process and for the listeners out there I mean y'all know baby faith is 17 months so uh mm-hmm. faith and hallie are seven months apart and so mm-hmm. you know i'm glad the little piece of support you know i was offering you you considered it support because lord knows i'm just as blind as you sometimes but we <laughs> i think that's the key <laughs> is that we support each other which is a yes. reason i wanted to do this podcast specifically for black mothers because it's not a lot of support out there for us right so I just I appreciate the realness too in regards to like now why did I decide I wanted to do this because Lord knows that's a thought that'd be so real Um, oh absolutely there are no take backs there are no returns there's no like rebates (laughs) let me go ahead and get some discounts and figure this out later right right like you might as well just throw your receipt away because you Mm. cannot return permanent (laughs) yes (laughs) so how how has being a mother changed your life Oof. it is it is the most like i said it's the most rewarding experience i've ever been a part of it has taught me um again to not to not look too far ahead but to really be in this moment and take Mm -hmm. each moment for what it is um i've also learned the importance of not only reflection because i was really good at doing that before but Mm -hmm. the reflection of what it is that i want to be able to pass down to miss hallie so thinking mm. about like what are some of the things that I need to unlearn because like the the things that I was taught was not healthy or it was very scarring or just mm-hmm. is not necessarily beneficial to to who she needs to be as a young black woman in this world and then right. past that having to relearn some of the things that like maybe I have forgotten about. Mhm. Mhm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you've touched on this kinda but maybe you can expand on it a little bit for me sure um what are some things that you have underestimated about motherhood I think the the partnership between my husband and I and Mm -hmm. the reality of like our communication is essential in order for us to be able to be who we need to be for this Mm -hmm. little thing um Mm -hmm. And I think apart from that, really looking at why we chose to, why I chose to be, become a mom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and looking mm-hmm. at that for, for what that truly is and really being, making sure that, um, yeah, I don't know. I think just like it's interesting to it's a new like phenomenon for me to be needed 24 7 yes <laughs> yes and I think for, for me it was like what do you what do you what do you need yeah <laughs> how else can I help you right and then it's just like okay wait no it's, I I'm it for her like mm-hmm. I give her not only did I give her life I give her food I give her you know 
I give her everything, nutrition, value, everything. And so she looks to me for all of those things. She mimics me. She wants to be around me. When I walk away, she, she kind of whines and cries and and has a little fit. And it's Mm -hmm. also kind of special because it's like, oh my God, you really do love me. Like, yes, that's kind of cute. (laughs) But it's also like, okay, what else can I give to you? Can I please just go to the bathroom? Can I please Mm -hmm. just like have a moment to like, take a shower for more than five minutes and just like right. enjoy letting that water hit your scalp yes yes now you know you know me cousin now you know i'll be derailing mm-hmm. i'm trying to stay focused girl but you it's are okay. you are giving these good answers that i just know go bless somebody so because they're <laughs> blessing me so i just want to derail just for a second Um, Because I think it's important for people to hear that there is this this bond that mother and child have and no one else really understands. Like you're saying, this 24-7 need that a baby has, especially Mm -hmm. to a mom. Mm -hmm. And my husband made a comment um, a couple of weeks ago in the podcast that I released on fatherhood where he was like, well, you know, I really ain't had to really change too much. It ain't been as much of a dramatic change for me as it is for the woman. And I think people really don't understand that, like, we give everything to these little beings. And it's just a lot sometimes. It doesn't mean we don't love them. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're not a blessing, but it is a lot. So how have you been able to just find like some moments of self-care in the midst of Hallie needing you so much my husband okay I I think I think he he is a type of person who he knows what I need Mm -hmm. oftentimes before I even can voice what I need because he's like okay Mm. you're having a moment you need to just like go sit down somewhere and like meditate Or like, you just need to like eat something. (laughs) Yes. But he really made it, he allowed me to, and I say allow, like, not that like he gave me permission, but like he allowed me where he gave me the space and the opportunity to be able to go outside, take Mm -hmm. a walk, go do something for myself. Hey, you, I know that you like to get your nails done. Why don't you go get a manicure and pedicure? I have the baby for a couple of hours. Yeah. And I think that that was so powerful for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I also understand that that in itself is a privilege because to, I think, um, to Art's point, it is different for women because we have to be there oftentimes yeah. because we're we're the ones that are providing the nutrients um, mm-hmm. for the baby. But I think fathers have a choice yeah. with how present and how much they want to give to their child. Yes. <laughs> yes. They have a oh Lauren drop the jewels. That's why I had you come on the show. They have <laughs> a choice. Absolutely. Like, y'all got a choice of how present y'all want to be in these babies' lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my husband chooses and has made a conscious choice to be very present in her life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and it shows because their bond. Sometimes I'm like, okay, should I just leave? Right. right. <laughs> Clearly you don't need me. <laughs> but I mean it's 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 a beautiful thing to see. 
It is. It really is. It really is. Yes. So I'm going to just, we're going to just take a little commercial break and we shall be right back. Hey, you guys, you already know what this section of the podcast is about. This is my business update where I update you all on what's new and going on in my business. Remember that you should always listen to this commercial in its entirety because I'm always updating things and this commercial is ever changing. Everything I'm about to share with you can be found in more detail on my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. Many of you know I'm still working on my book, Understanding and Working Within the Issues in the Black Community. It's continuing to come along really, really well, and I'm so glad that I decided to slow down and take my time with the process. So keep your ears open for when that will be released. On October the 10th, I'm doing another online training and it is called Helping the African-American Community Cope with Trauma. Once again, you will receive three continuing education units if you're eligible. Registration is open now, so feel free to register. On November the 6th, that is when my cultural planner will be coming out. You can pre-order your planner on my website now under the Books and Products tab, and that's also where you'll find a description of this planner. And these are the updates for my business. Again, you can check out the details of what I just described on my website because one, if not all, of these offers will help you bloom into your best self. Bill Pickett. 1870 to 1932. Bill Pickett has been called one of the greatest black cowboys that ever lived. He attained national and international fame as a rodeo performer and is credited with originating the rodeo sport called bulldogging. Pickett, born December 5, 1870 in Williamson County, Texas, was the second of 13 children of Thomas Jefferson and Mary Elizabeth Pickett, former slaves. After completing the fifth grade, Pickett was hired as a ranch hand where he developed his skills in riding and roping. Years later, in 1890, he took a wife, Maggie Turner, and fathered nine children. In the West, shortly after the Civil War, a new kind of hero began to dominate the American scene. Cowboys emerged. They were gutty and tough, and among them was Bill Pickett. He was one of the best. There was not a four-legged beast alive he would not take on. He earned special billing and the professional nickname Dusty Demon for his daring bulldogging techniques. Bulldogging was a term given to the act of roping and wrestling steers to the ground. Pickett personalized the sport with exact timing, coupled with guts and power. One reporter is quoted as saying, Pickett was a man who outdoes the fiercest dog in utter brutality. The sport of wrestling steers or bulls down by hand goes back to the Roman era. However, 
Bill Pickett, standing 5 feet 7 inches tall and weighing only 145 pounds with powerful shoulders and arms, was widely known for his special bulldogging skill, which he used to compensate for his stature. He would actually sink his teeth into the rebellious animal's nose or upper lip to render it docile and throwable. It is said that Pickett acquired his technique from once witnessing a bulldog, quote, hold a ranch steer. In 1907, Pickett contracted with Zach Miller, owner of the famous 101 Ranch and Wild West Show, headquartered in Oklahoma. The 101 Ranch encompassed a 100,000 acres and employed about 200 cowboys. Miller boasted that he had the best collection of riders and wranglers in the West. Such notables as Will Rogers and Tom Mix got their start at the 101. In a short time, Pickett became the star performer and principal attraction. For over a decade, he performed his daring stunts in the United States, Canada, Argentina, England, and Mexico. Only he was bold and powerful enough to tackle a steer or any other beast without a lariat. At a Mexican rodeo in 1908, Pickett experienced a grueling encounter which almost cost him his life. Zach Miller announced to a crowd of 25,000 Mexicans that Pickett would bulldog a fighting bull. To demonstrate his confidence in Pickett's ability, Miller wagered in excess of $5,000. Pickett accepted the challenge and the match was on. He was tossed about like a rag doll, but Pickett hung on for dear life. The crowd became hostile and began to bombard him with bottles and stones. They took this as an insult to their national sport. Although Pickett and his horse, Spratly, were severely hurt, Miller won his bet. Shortly after 1916, Bill Pickett retired from the rodeo arena and later bought a 160-acre ranch. In 1931, the 101 Ranch was in serious financial difficulties and he returned to lend a hand to his old boss. One morning while roping horses, Pickett was kicked by a stallion and died 11 days later of a fractured skull on April 2, 1932. He was buried at the White Eagle Monument in Marland, Oklahoma, and a marker was erected by the Cherokee Stripe Cowboy Association. Zach Miller declared that Bill Pickett was, quote, the greatest sweat and dirt cowhand that ever lived, bar none, end quote. In 1971, the legendary Dusky Demon became the first black cowboy to be admitted to the National Rodeo Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City. Alrighty, y'all. So we are back and I have um, Lauren here with me and she is just talking about being a mother and she's talking about um, being a black mother and it's coming from that perspective. So we are going to just continue on um, with this questioning. So Lauren, what are some things that you feel you have mastered about motherhood? 
okay, I think mastered is a very strong word. Okay. <laughs> I do. I feel like the teacher in me, um, mastery means an A. I okay. would de- basically give myself a proficient or satisfactory okay. um, because <laughs> it is all about continuously learning every every moment that I feel like, ha I got you. I think mm-hmm. I, I think I got this. Then she goes and like learns how to crawl. And I'm like, how mm-hmm. do you figure out this part of it? And now she's like standing up and trying to start walking. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now we got to figure out how to baby proof even more so and what things to take down. So um, I think as far as like me being proficient, if I can change that language from mastery to proficient. Okay. Um, I have learned to be proficient in recognizing when I need to take a step back and breathe mm. and centering myself in the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge takeaway just in my personal life. I get real excited and real like, okay, let me fix something. And not everything needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, sometimes it just needs to be. And it's okay to just be. Yeah. Um, so when she is screaming and not like screaming because there's something wrong, but she's just screaming because she's finding her voice and realizes Mm -hmm. that like my voice echoes different in this room and let me go ahead and like yell and make some noise instead of me getting impatient and just like how do I calm you down how do I shush you just Mm -hmm. like being able to recognize okay I'm about to feel some type of way let me take a couple deep breaths yeah and allow for her to explore her voice and I think for me that's been a a big learning and I've definitely started to become more proficient in that yeah yeah definitely definitely and thank you because that that is true with changing around the the wording and stuff because lord knows ain't none of us got no a jesus so Mm. proficiency (laughs) is definitely the way to go (laughs) Um, it's a teacher in me i'm like well mastery i can't say i have an a but (laughs) (laughs) right right what are some things you miss about your pre-mommy days? I think the flexibility of just being able to get up and go. Mm, mm. Yes, Jesus. I was thinking about that the other day. Um, because we are in a unique situation of being in quarantine because mm. of COVID-19. And we don't have a babysitter, right? When we never actually mm-hmm. got to the point of having to, or finding a babysitter because mm-hmm. all of this started when she was about four and about four and a half, five months um, old. Yeah. And so um, not being able to like spend some quality time with myself and then not being able to spend some quality time with my husband. Yeah. And I, and I miss, I miss missing him mm-hmm. in itself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so just really being able to like, yeah, let me go ahead and go to work and have some alone time or let me mm. go ahead and like roll out of bed whenever I want to and just like head over to IHOP for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We are definitely in some weird times, especially as moms of little ones. Yeah. So yes, it just makes it difficult. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the flip side of that question is, what are some things that you've gladly let go of from your pre-mommy days? Mm. That's a really great question. Um, I am 
letting go because again it's a process I haven't fully let go but I'm letting it go yes um <laughs> is the constant I don't want to say noise because that's low-key rude but I'm gonna just say it because I don't know another word right now the right just keep that it. I hear from other people who have opinions about how I should be a mother mm, yes so true and so oftentimes true. it comes from family yeah. and that goes right back to having to unlearn and relearn mm-hmm. and it's well this is how I this is how it was when I was a child this is what I've seen this is what I experienced this is what I've done so of course you know like a good example your child is teething go ahead and give her a chicken bone she needs a chicken bone she needs some flavor <laughs> go ahead and right. have her chew on a chicken bone I'm like first of all she only got one and a half teeth tooth right tooth right. so <laughs> I am not trying to have her tooth break on a chicken bone. First of all, what what kind of nonsense? Who gives their child? Okay, if that's you, I apologize. Respect. <laughs> However, that is not my ministry. Chicken bones are not my ministry. So right. I'm just like, let's let's not. Um, and having to like explain my choices is something yeah. that I am very deliberate of like. So we're not going to do that, but I appreciate right. I appreciate the the words of wisdom. That's mm-hmm. that is an idea, right? Right. <laughs> that's yeah. true, and I I think that's a, a good thing because I know a lot. You know, you and I relate to with you know taking in advice, but sometimes, especially with these with our kids, keyword mm-hmm. our children, right? So my baby, you know, Lauren's baby, our mm-hmm. baby. like we Mm got to just do what we feel is best and not necessarily even feeling the need to do a whole bunch of explanation no we just we ain't doing that we ain't doing chicken Mm -hmm. bones you know we ain't we ain't doing all kind of just these weird wives tales and even if they're not wives tales and it's just actual advice if I don't want to do that with my baby I'm not gonna do that so I mean I appreciate it and I appreciate the the sharing because I do think one thing is you know sometimes the family I think they want to give advice because they've been through it and I almost feel like mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes they don't want to see us struggle the way that they did right. and so I do think advice comes from a loving place but Absolutely. at the same time you know the only way you're gonna learn how to do this walk as a parent is to just do the walk and sometimes our loved ones have to just watch us do the walk and respect our decisions uh, yeah so yeah yes I agree. there's definitely there's a difference between intent mm-hmm. and impact and yes. you can have the best of intentions but that impact of like now i i feel as a new mom that i have to do what you have suggested because you are yeah. the matriarch of the family or because you are an elder to mm-hmm. me um, I think that that becomes a little bit damaging, I think, as it a does. mom and mm-hmm. um, especially as a new mom. And so because in my nature, the pushback is something that is very uncomfortable. I think Hallie mm-hmm. has her presence has empowered me in a way to be able to step up um, in, in a very productive and well-intended way mm-hmm. to say, like, you know, I, I appreciate it, but no and if that means I have to say no every single time that you keep giving me the same suggestion about 
a chicken bone or or putting bourbon on her on her gums. No. Right. Mm-mm. Thank you. No. But nope, we're not going to do that. We're not. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. Right. Okay, I'm going to ask you one more question, then we're going to take our break. Um, what are the joys and challenges of motherhood? Okay, I'll start with the challenges. The challenges is that she's loud. I am so okay. like used to a quiet, peaceful space where I mm-hmm. just like hear myself think and like <laughs> be one with the twinkling of the stars. And she mm-hmm. is just like, nope. I can hear myself and I want you to hear that I can hear myself mm-hmm. um, and having to entertain her constantly. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. I think this has to, it's a reflection of being in quarantine and, and it's just been the three of us for months and months and months for the past 10 months of her life. Essentially. I feel like I was yeah. in quarantine before we were in quarantine yeah um, being on maternity leave but that's true um, so mm-hmm. i think that's been a huge challenge and i think the other side of that the huge joy is seeing her explore and learn and watching mm-hmm. watching um her discovery of things mm-hmm. has been mm-hmm. really awesome because i'm like oh yeah i when she was about i would say about three and a half four months old every time we turn off the lights when we have like one dim light she would go off like she would just hysterically just start crying and she would be looking around in the walls and we would just like look like what is happening and finally we discovered that she was afraid of the shadows that the light was casting on the walls and it Mm -hmm. freaked her out right and we were just like whoa that is something that we just we don't even pay attention to Right. And to see her discover that and just acknowledge that, like, this is not normal, not right. for me at least. And I've never seen this before. And I need y'all to explain what's happening. Right. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> essentially, the whole time she's been kind of like in the dark in the womb. And exactly. now she's just all with a whole bunch of light. And then you'd start dimming lights. She's like, okay, now wait, what's happening? Yeah. So even just, <laughs> just discovering that, I think that for me was like oh wow there's there's a couple things that like I need to be more attentive to that she this is new this is brand new for her and that's yes. been really awesome just to kind of sit back and like watch her discover all these brand new things yes definitely definitely well all right y'all we are about to take a commercial break and we shall be right back Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like really considered your culture first, not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. 
At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. Go check out our website and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one. ST.org. We are so excited about this and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. All right, y'all. So we are back and I have Lauren here with me and we're just talking about motherhood. Yes. And so we are about to get into, you know, a little bit more of the cultural stuff. Y'all know I do the blackness and I'm all about, you know, blackness and the, the excellence and beauty of blackness. And so that's why I'm doing this series. So I'm going to have Lauren kind of answer some questions in regards to that. You ready, Lauren? Absolutely. Let's talk about being black. Okay. Yes. I know it well. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, um, what are the joys and challenges of being a black mother? Mm. Um, okay. This time I'll start with joys since last time I started with challenges. Okay. I think the joys of being a black mom is being able to see excellence in other black women. Mm. And being able, whether or not I know them personally or I maybe like see them on on screen on the silver screen or I see them you know in the hall there's no hallways to see them in but um Mm -hmm. I see them on the street like walking or whatever just being able to see other black moms with their black children and Mm -hmm. the way that we love our children we hold them tight in such a way that is very unique and necessary Mm -hmm. especially in these times yes yes definitely I love it I know. Um, and I would say on the other side of that, the challenge of being a black mom is exactly almost <laughs> the reasons why it's so joyful in the way that we hold tight, hold them tight is mm-hmm. because of what's happening right now with the racial injustices and, and um, it's been happening and mm-hmm. it's nothing new in our community at all, but other people, this is brand new. And it's becoming right. more mainstream because of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, having to think about how to have her, how to shape her and mold her to be a strong black woman in this world, mm-hmm. but also not be threatening while also not being too aggressive, while also not being too angry, mm-hmm. while also not being too fill in the blank for non-black people. Mm. Um, and so I think for me I'm I'm looking ahead because I have to look ahead at that because I because mm-hmm. it's not something that's that's going to go away anytime soon I have to be able to think two steps ahead around how to protect her mm-hmm. and how to shape her 
so that she feels protected by me because she's always going to be covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Yes. In this world, I need her to know how to, um, how to be a black woman and stand strong. Yes. Yes. Very true. Girl, you just tying all into the next question. So that the next question is how does being a black mother shape the way you parent? I hold her so tightly and I and it's something that I also know that I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to come to terms with is that Mm -hmm. I I don't want to be a helicopter mom right right I don't want to be that mom who is so afraid to let to let her live Mm -hmm. that it stunts her own unique growth and it stunts her ability to be the woman and the young girl the young lady that she is destined to become yeah um And so I know I'm going to have to, it's a journey that I'm starting to actively work on now so Mm -hmm. that by that time when it is, when she's a teenager and like, she's just like, Hey, I just want to go to the movies or I just want to, you know, go on a walk outside. I'm not okay. You're going to go on a walk outside. Don't look like this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Make sure you have yourself. Like, I don't want to, I don't want her to live in fear, but I want her to live in the reality of being cautious. Hello. Yes, it's me again. I had to pause the podcast real quick to promote my newsletter subscription. Are you signed up to my newsletter? If so, thank you so much. If not, what are you waiting for? Go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up. Each month you get a cultural newsletter and each week you get a cultural tip and it's free. It's really no excuse for you not to be signed up to my newsletters, especially if you listen to the podcast. So go and sign up. All righty, let's get back to the podcast. Right, right. Because it's such a reality that we have to live in as Black people that not a lot of well, I'm not, it's not a lot of don't nobody else have to live in the state of caution that we have to live in. And that's just, that's just what it is. And so it's going to be a, Lord, it's going to be a challenge to let these babies go and be like, Jesus, help us. But you're right. They covered in the blood of Jesus. So they are. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I think, I thank God every day. In fact, when I, when I conceived her, I was so excited, but also so nervous and conflicted because I was like, okay, God, whatever you give me, I'm going to be grateful. However, please do not give me a black male because I don't know if I can stand like Mm. what it means to actually have a black male in this, in this world and how I can actually rear him to be a black man. Because at, at some age, whether or not that's six, seven, eight, or 12, whatever it looks like, he Mm -hmm. is going to be from a cute little black boy to a now a threatening young black man. Mm. And I don't know how me as a mom, how I can work through that and navigate that mm-hmm. personally. So I'm like, selfishly, please, mm-hmm. if, if this is what you, if this is in your will, I will, will receive it because you will never give me anything that's, that I can't control or that I, that's too hard for me. However, right. um, I need you to do some work on me if that's the direction that you want me to go in. Right. Um, right. And so it's just to be completely honest, it's been very interesting to be around 
Um, other women who are not women of color, who all have males, um, and this is from our centering group through mm. um, through uh, my insurance company, and being the only black person in that group, and they all had met, uh, baby boys. I was the only one with a girl. Mm. Um, and in my head, I was thinking, you all, none of you are thinking what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. the fears of if I now that I have a baby boy what does this look like I hope that my baby boy gets to live past 12 I hope that my baby boy gets to be a teenager and just live without having to feel like a threat I hope that my baby boy gets like all of these thoughts aren't going through through your through their heads um and I was a little low-key like "Mm, must be nice right you all happy about your baby boy right right yeah that's so true that's so true so I think I'm going to ask another different question because you touched on some good points okay so I'm just wondering I'm going to try to frame this the right way because Hallie is 10 months Um, Mm -hmm. but like how do you plan or how have you like introduced blackness and race to Hallie does that make sense yes absolutely um So we look both, and I say we, both me and my husband, we both have, we share like every, every other morning we have her, right? So mm-hmm. we rotate one morning, he'll have her, he'll wake her up in the morning and be with her while I, I'm able to sleep in and then mm-hmm. vice versa, which is really nice. So we have this system mm-hmm. going. And so we both like innately did not plan on doing it, but I think it's just both of us have this, this. Um, it's important for both of us to do this where we we stand her up in the mirror as soon as she wakes up and she looks at herself and we tell her how beautiful she is Mm. we specifically name your skin is beautiful the smoothness and suppleness of your skin is radiant your curly hair is gorgeous your Mm. big beautiful brown bright eyes shine so bright you are so uh, you're such an amazing beautiful black baby Mm. and so we give her these affirmations about her blackness and about who she is already um, yes that i i don't doubt that she's going to grow up having Mm self-love yes oh that's such a beautiful thing that you're doing for um little miss hallie yes yes mm-hmm. oh i love it okay just two more questions go for it i love it <laughs> what advice can you give a black mother listening who can relate to your story um advice about black mother. <laughs> i'm like processing this honestly i think it's um think support not being mm-hmm. afraid to to ask for the support that you need yeah. even when you don't know what you, what it is that you need but just talk just saying i need help i'm not sure what it is but i need help yeah um i think that that's that's huge whether or not you mm-hmm. have a partner who is as attentive to be able to say oh i could see that that you're struggling let me come in and support or mm-hmm. if you have a mom or a friend or an auntie or a, a sibling who you can call to um, or call on 
and just say, you know, I just need, I need to talk through this. This is how I'm feeling. Cause I think mm-hmm. that, that emotional wellness is, it, it can be overlooked really easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our hormones are so all over the place. And there's just such a, a an imbalance in the first couple of months, if not the first mm-hmm. year. Um, mm-hmm. That it's easy for someone to either overlook it or downplay it. Yeah. Yes. It's so true. And things are always changing even after that first year. Mm. Like you said um, a few minutes ago, once you kind of get that under the, the your wing, then she starts crawling. Now she's trying to start, you know, walking and standing. Mm-hmm. And so... It, it can be so downplayed the emotional toll and the emotional health of the, the the black mother because we always navigate in these changes and these changes is going to continue to come so like yes. Lauren is saying y'all need to ask for that support from whoever you can get it from definitely there's no shame in asking for help and I've definitely mm-hmm. had to learn that because I'm not I'm one who's like well if you don't offer then I'm assuming that you don't want to help me Right. And then, you know, then there's that. So really just trying to take a step back and saying, okay, mm-hmm. it's okay. And in fact, it's it's powerful for me to say I need help. Yeah, it I'm is. Mm-hmm. It, it is. Yes. Well, final question. All right. What is something that you do on a regular basis that helps you bloom into your best self? Mm, I love this question. I am just Thank you. trying to bloom and blossom into the radiant flower that I'm meant to be every single day. Yes. Um, and I think <laughs> uh, something I've been doing over the past couple of months, we got a stationary bike because we like got rid of our gym, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's none of that. And so I think exercising and being intentional with at least 30 minutes of like quiet time a day Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to like I find solitude in exercising and being able to like really think and having someone kind of coach and like you got this keep going you've mm-hmm. been through harder things think about everything else that you've overcome this is easy in comparison mm-hmm. to that and it's like you mm-hmm. know what I done had a whole human being that I birthed right this uh, <laughs> leg press is not going to kill me if I can go right. and, like birth and create a whole human I got these squats <laughs> you got them girl <laughs> so yeah that's yeah. been really helpful for me to like to really get back to doing things for myself yeah yes oh well cousin it's been so good having you on the show I so appreciate it I really Absolutely. really do thank you and- for having me this is fun All right, y'all, that is our interview. Listen, y'all go learn to believe me when I say that an episode is good. I I know some of y'all think I just be really playing myself up and playing my show up, but I'm telling y'all, I know y'all felt how good that episode was and felt it was just as good as I described it. So I'm telling you, when I tell y'all that an episode is good, believe me because wasn't that a good episode it was such such a good kickoff to this series I am just I'm just in awe anyway if y'all want to connect with Lauren 
You can find her on Instagram under the handle la la land underscore 21. I'll leave the spelling in the show notes for you guys so that you can connect with her or follow her or both if you want to. Next week, I will have a mommy of two on the show. And it is another great interview that y'all just don't want to miss out on. For your cultural tidbit, I'm encouraging you to look up again the little boy I mentioned earlier in the show. His name is Caleb Anderson. He is a 12 year old little black genius and it is just, it's amazing. So y'all need to look it up. I will leave the spelling of his name in the show notes as well. So that is it for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Until the next time that we chat, I really hope that you do something that will help you bloom into your best self. And I am so excited to have you join with me next week so that you can walk another day in my culture.